I'll, I would just be on smoke if you talk bad about vibes and that particular song. I feel like you're misunderstanding the, the nature of the insult right now. No one's insulting that song. But you're <laughs> this is the greatest Valentine's Day song of all time. You've got Vibes Cartel next door to Percy Sledge. You've got Vibes Cartel next to Percy Sledge. Next to Faith Evans. Yep. Next to Otis Redding. Yep. And you want to play Vibes Cartel. <laughs> yep. You're you like, were wronging. You were wronging. Welcome, welcome. Black in a box, back again with the music episode. Um, we have the regulars in the house, plus a guest. But to go through the cast, Dom? Yes, mate, how's it going? We're all good, we're all good. Passing it back over to you, Angelo. Yo, yo, what we saying, people? Everybody good, everybody healthy. Let's go. Alana, how are things your side? Ah, life is good. Life is good. I've had a Red Bull. I'm buzzing. Ready to get into this episode. Ready to go. All the energy drinks are available. So just hot us up in the messages. And we're going to go next to Nate, who's going to introduce our guest for the day. What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so our guest, some of you may know him as Cubo, DJ Cubo from the Northeast. But I know him as Oliver Blake. I wish I had some gunshots right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, guys. Hi. Yeah, really nice. Thank you guys for inviting me to be on. It's a pleasure. Uh, I've been checking in. Uh, especially for the highlights, so the highlights crack me up like more times. So you guys should definitely get like those out there more. But um, pleasure to be involved. So looking forward to the discussion. Thank you for joining us, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> bro, we're, we're, it's mutual fans, mutual fans. So good to have you on, and looking forward to the conversation. Let's talk about recognition. We've been here before with with black art and black artists and in this particular instance of course we're talking about I May Destroy You one of the most groundbreaking series of any kind to have ever been on British TV snubbed snubbed at the Golden Globe Awards didn't even get a nomination for anything at all let that sink in Uh, the makers of category rival Emily in Paris which they laughed as being literally a TV show made as a joke <laughs> themselves expressed their dismay that it was not that I made to show you was not recognized at all and um, I mean there are different ways to look at it uh, and it, it was viewed many people said that the fact that it was it was not selected by mainstream white judges as being worthy of recognition that possibly proves that the art was doing its job I for one though think that it is uh, yet another example of a travesty. To lead us off here, Dom, what do you think? 
it's a nonsense, man. It's a nonsense. It's one of the best pieces of TV I've seen in a minute. I think if you look at the kinds of topics that were covered, the kind of themes that were covered, so you're talking about consent, you're talking about family life, you're talking about all sorts, drug culture, love, obsession, um, friendship. There's so many different themes that are dealt with in that as a piece of TV. And I think the fact that it was written by a black woman and black women don't get the opportunities that they deserve in TV or in anything, the bar she set is just so much higher than most pieces of TV that you'll watch on any kind of network. So I think it's difficult to it's difficult to come to terms with, but the most annoying thing about all of this is that it's not a surprise in the slightest. We see these things kind of happen over and over again. Um, but for me, yeah, it was just... It's just disappointing. It's disappointing because we've had all these movements in the last couple of years and you kind of hope that you're going to see these kinds of movements and people putting up black squares and all that kind of fuckery and you expect that it's going to make at least a little bit of difference because with these kind of award shows, surely it's just like a slam dunk. Just nominate the thing. It's a really, really easy thing to do and then you're going to be kind of curry in favour with a huge swathe of your audience but apparently not because it's happened yet again. But you know what? I feel like something like the Golden Globes, I feel like they tend to be a little lighter. And uh, I do have to kind of come clean here. I I had meant to get around to watching I May Destroy You last year, but I will admit that I started watching it this weekend when I knew we were going to talk about it. Um, and to be honest, I mean, first of all, from, from the first episode, you're right, Dom, you're right, Dan, phenomenal writing, phenomenal uh, dialogue, the characterization, the acting. I mean, it, it really is just a perfect show in terms of writing and even the way that it's filmed and it, it's just perfect and it deserves all the flowers. But I was looking at the subject matter and even I felt very triggered watching it and I could have finished the whole series this weekend and I actually had to take a break because I was like this is actually quite triggering because it's so real and there are topics that are so um unsavory I think for people to really acknowledge right now and they need their stories that need to be told 100% we need to see more of that, that but I think this series is uh, I won't say ahead of its time because it's perfect for right now but I think it's like the first the first of its kind just in its its realism and I think that might be why a place like the Golden Globes can't bring themselves to award it. I think that's very interesting. What I will say, though, is that there's a great article um, in Esquire by Olivia Ovenden. And uh, she has an article that says, uh, The Golden Globes I May Destroy You snub shows an outdated idea of Britain persists. And I think that... You know, and then the lead is uh, last year, 1917 and Fleabag dominated, while this year only the crown has been richly rewarded. Does television have to play to a nostalgic idea of Britain to cut through? And I think that hits the nail on the head. I don't know if you saw the uh, Michaela Cole uh, interview with Reggie Yates, where Reggie kind of thanked her for showing a London that he could see himself in, that he recognised. It's, it's, I mean... The fact that he wasn't nominated for cinematography, that's the only thing where I'm like, come on now. Um, but there is there is this sense that kind of the Golden Globes is, yes, it's the foreign press, but they kind of clearly do seem to play into 
stereotypes. Um, and I'm sure that we'll get onto the question of is it to do with race? And it's one of those where I actually don't think, I know this is going to seem a crazy thing to I don't think it's the biggest snub of, of the Golden Globes. I think Delroy Lindo not being nominated for Best Actor for The Five Bloods is actually a bigger snub because that, for me, is that's a frighteningly good portrayal. Um, but then I start thinking of what's been snubbed. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, I May Destroy You. The Five Bloods. Now, The Five Bloods and I May Destroy You are not perfect pieces of, theater, of, uh, of art. Um there's a very uh, good article in uh, Galdem which talks about why the ending of uh, I May Destroy You was problematic. I said myself that uh, The Five Bloods was in desperate need of editing. But it does seem that, I think what Olivia Ovenden says, this idea that if you're going to present Britain, it has to be this doffing the cap, royalty, um, Norsey kind of public schoolgirl kind of thing, otherwise it doesn't work. And then the last thing I'll say is, like, I don't know Michaela Cole. Um, she is more than welcome to hit me up to work on any projects that she wants to. Um, <laughs> but if I was her, I'd be looking at Phoebe Waller-Bridge and going, okay, so I re she releases Chewing Gum, doesn't get any, uh, get any kind of public acclaim, gets critical acclaim. Phoebe Waller-Bridge releases Fleabag, gets a lot of acclaim. She then does I May Destroy You and no acclaim. And it's like, what, what, what is the difference between these two? Um, and the problem is, is that so often the answer is race. I don't think this time the answer is race. But it's so often that it is. And I think kind of, it's easy to see why a lot of black people, particularly black women online, have been super upset by this. I think as well, just to, to jump in on that, I, I kind of see what you're saying and I wonder if the reason that I hold it so highly is very similar to what Reggie Yates said in that interview because aside from the rape, it's pretty much the life that I live in London and most of the people that I know who have enjoyed the show um, and have said such glowing things about it, it's because it is, again, such a representation of the kind of life that they lead. That they lead sorry, so... I do wonder, because I don't really know and I haven't spoken to that many people outside of the city who have watched and enjoyed it, how much of an influence that had on how I received the show. Yeah, I think I was very similar. I mean, the first instinct when you see that it was snubbed, you're kind of like, oh shit, here we go again, right? Like, here's another amazing bit of, of, of TV because it was so... It's not just the narrative and the story and the issues that it's it's raising and drawing attention to, but as a piece of art, it's not perfect, but it's pretty close. You know, the the way it was shot, the way they kind of told the narrative kind of back and forth was really impressive. It could have been very easily kind of confusing and misconstrued, but it allowed like the viewer to take, you know, it took you on that journey and almost simulated that, that trauma of not knowing as it went. And for me, that was just, it was amazing. That in itself deserves, um, you know, accolades. I think like it's difficult because I, I agree with the kind of the, the narrative talk that it's very difficult to display Britain and England. I, I feel like the, the narrative of England and Britain is very much that, like you say, doffing the cap and, and, and things of that nature, which, which 
if you, I feel like if you portray a perspective that is different from that, it tends to not generally get accepted yeah. by the powers that be in terms of award shows. But yeah. at the same time, if it does something for the culture, then it doesn't take away from its importance at all as a series. Absolutely. Totally, yeah. It's either it's either doth in your cap or top boy. There is no in between. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and I, I swear, top boy won awards as well. So, so what does that tell you? A, a gritty but, but portrayal of life in London. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like that's why um, I'm saying I think it hopefully is the first of its kind because I I hope that you know I mean even this podcast we hope to be a platform for nuanced narratives in, in black voices and especially black Britain and which sounds funny coming from the American in the group, <laughs> but it's a collective uh, sentiment. Um, so I hope that this is like the first of its kind. And I think the very response of people really coming out against it being snubbed and then all of the hype around it before the award season shows that obviously it has had a big cultural impact. And that's not just here in Britain, because to be honest, most of the people who have told me to watch it have been Americans and have been white Americans who have no point of reference for what yeah. like that black London culture is. I've got to question though on, on that point exactly, Ali, because we say that we hope that it's going to be the first of many things of this kind of ilk and this kind of theme within, within British TV. My girlfriend works in the industry and she was gutted when she found out about the snob because it's kind of like, well, what's the point? We bust our asses to do all this work, to come up with these original stories that aren't being told and that something like this, which is groundbreaking and not just groundbreaking, it's fucking brilliant, comes along and then gets snubbed. It's kind of like there is an element there that the more of these pieces that do get overlooked that there are other stories that aren't going to be told out there because people are like, well, what's the point? Because it's not going to be received as it should be. Well, I mean, is is, is that the case, though? Because, I've, I mean, is the point to receive an award or is the point to express the story and to have your artistry come out? And that's, I mean, how many things have not been awarded but have gone down in history as the first or the greatest or i mean and that's not even in tv or movies i mean that that happens in music too i mean we talked about to pimp a butterfly on so many of these podcasts and while that may not have received certain accolades i mean that's an instant classic no, i agree i agree it's just these decisions i think have a bigger impact than one person or one writer or one actor missing out it yeah. could be that the other people that are in the pipeline to be the next Michaela Cole think, you know what, I'm not going to bother because what is the point? So it's, I, I think it is more damaging um, mm. than I think first appears on surface level. Mm. What I will say is the danger is um, <clears throat> having had like a successful series, like it was, it was very, very well received by the people. If even if it didn't receive sort of the, the recognition at the highest level in terms of awards. The worry is, as we're seeing with, well, it's a contemporary story, but the documentary where Candice Brathwaite was, was, Brathwaite was overlooked in terms of hosting a show with which she had better experience and better knowledge of the subject matter because they wanted someone who, was a, who, was, um, who had a bigger reach. Um, the worry is that now they've seen this types of story that I May Destroy Your Work, whether mainstream channels are going to 
sort of run with that kind of thing and not 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 necessarily commission things from those who are close to the subject matter but just churn out lots of sort of watered down rubbish and I don't know if it if that'll make it harder for the next Michaela Coel to come through and you know tell their story faithfully. Um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how that unfolds for sure. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame. Oh, sorry, this is just a small comment. I just think it's also a bit of a shame um, that here is a really great opportunity for the film and television industry to stand by the whole like times up Me Too movement. I mean, we just had. Yeah this whole movement about the shit that this show talks about and like in the realest way. So to back it would have been like a real statement. Except I, oh gosh, I strongly disagree with what you're saying because this shouldn't have been nominated because of the political stance it's taken. It should have been nominated because it's the best piece of drama that has been on tv in the last year and if you have a look at places like the guardian the guardian has it as the number one um piece of, number one uh, series of 2020 esquire has it right up there enemy has it right up there i know what you i know that it kind of maps on to what was happening in the culture but i think that in a way almost dilutes it it's like no this should have got in on its own merit and that's for me the, the 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 line is that it should have got in on its own merit, that it happens oh, yeah. to yeah. that it happens to map you know map onto what was happening uh, in the zeitgeist in twenty twenty is almost incidental, and and I'll just finish with this is uh, <laughs> I've been uh, doing a lot of research into Riz Ahmed and Riz Ahmed is just a fascinating individual, but one of the things that he's constantly saying is. He felt like he was only able to, his career was only able to take off once he stopped worrying about how does this fit into what's do, you know happening in the world and telling his own story. But the ironic thing is that the more he tried to tell his own story and not tell the story of immigrant families or not tell the story of Pakistani-born uh, British people, that he became more universal. He became more knowable because it's... It, that authenticity is something that can't be matched and that's why Dan I'm like I don't think they're going to be able just to produce something like a I May Destroy because first of all she's a brilliant writer second of all she's a brilliant actor third of all she's a brilliant director and fourth of all not everybody is able to put their own trauma out there like that in such a relatable way I, I, yeah I mean that's fair I, I will say <laughs> look into the history of television it won't stop them trying and I, I will just say like you said Andrew, like, it's it's almost incidental that it maps onto the, the, the zeitgeist I, I I disagree with that I think when you're talking about art made within a specific time you cannot divorce it from the context Boys in the Hood was essential because it was made in 1991 you can't pick out of its time without you know mapping onto that sort of age same with Do the Right Thing like it, these were that it made at the height of sort of racial tensions. I think it's it's very important to sort of the the worth of that art that like it was made when it was made, especially when you consider the narrative of the thing. Like I, I agree with you, it shouldn't have been nominated on the basis of that, but I think it's definitely worth considering when you're looking at the sort of totality of its worth. But uh, um, no, it's it's valuable. So to be clear, it's that it kind of maps onto what's happening culturally is important. But for me, that should play no role in whether or not it gets nominated. 
No, I agree. I mean, her blackness was almost like a subplot in that story. I mean, the the most important parts of the story for me, her blackness was, again, it was just incidental. Like, there was obviously the subplot around the writer and certain things around that which were obviously founded in race, but a lot of it didn't really didn't really come down to that. Uh, the thing is, is uh, I'll, like, I, as someone that's trying to get into the industry, the, the damage that it does for me is more kind of, if that isn't going to be getting its flowers, I don't think that whatever I'm going to be producing as a rookie writer, like it does, it does make me think, hmm, should, what, what, do I need to tell a story about a white influencer trying to make it in Paris? Like, but I don't know, because at the same time, it's like, it's like what, what we refer back to was that, like, if it's making a cultural difference, then it's inherently important. So whatever you feel is important that you should be doing, because if you're doing your due diligence, then you know what is good. And if it comes to the part where something didn't get awarded it and it got snubbed, but everyone knows every reviewer knows it should then it showed its importance regardless of what awards it won but i know exactly what you're talking about because i live this life where clout is more important than anything else and 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 it almost determines your worth but what i'd say is if for the majority of artists that have ever produced anything great in their lifetime it's not usually appreciated until they've passed you can't necessarily worry about winning awards at the time I don't think it applies. I feel like you should 100% shoot for the stars and then it is what it is because I, I, I don't feel that that should limit you because I feel as most artists, you feel like you should have more shine than you get anyway. So even at the highest level, that's going to be exactly the same. All right, Ollie, but okay, so you're, you're a great DJ. I've checked out some of your stuff. I'm like, right, this guy is in the mix. Does people giving you critical acclaim pay your bills? But of course it doesn't, but what I'm saying is if you're pushing for greatness, your bills will be paid in kind. You know, like if you get to the stage where you're great, then it, it's, it doesn't take an award to prove that. But I know exactly what you mean in terms of no, absolutely not. Accolades don't um, pay my bills and clout. It doesn't pay my bills, but it means that for some of the services I can charge, at least I can pay my bills and then I can focus on being great after that. I was, I was going to say that, Angela, you, like, it, it does matter. Maybe not to you, but it puts an extra 5K on what the BBC are paying you, on what certain platforms are paying you, on what festivals are giving you. Yeah. It's outside of your control, but it, it, I think when, you, when you've got the life of an artist, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So, Ollie, like, in the last pod, I joked um, with the success of uh, Death to 2020. Like, I literally opened up the pod with the price of the bricks going up. <laughs> and it was just that idea that do you know what it's like i've put out i've put out hours of great content and it hasn't paid and i, I know about being high-minded but it's like it's tough to be high-minded when you got a you know ask oh no hell yo a hundred percent you can tell me about it like i said like 2020 caught me in the craziest place where uh i just invested crazy money into this place I'd literally got this place to like 60% of what I wanted it to be and then COVID hit. My income stops, like, <laughs> like, like done, like finished. Uh, so I've been fortunate enough to, to receive grants and self-employment. I mean, I pay my taxes, so I, apparently I'm entitled to something. Um, but 
I definitely think that my, my not even my accolades, just I think it's your your work rate, and from your work rate you can see your output, and that becomes an accolade in its own right. So you know, so the work you're doing, it it might just take a while. Like uh, one of my favorite artists in terms of mentality is Russ, because he said he was like cool, like he had like seven or eight mixtapes out before his first album, before he dropped his first album, because he said, well, how can people become a true fan of you if when they find out about you and they hear one good song, there's no back catalogue. So the crazy thing is, is all these things that you're doing at the moment, you know, they, they might not hit right now. But if you've been putting out great content, when someone does catch up with you, they can check back into the stuff you've been doing and they can become a true fan. And that's where the output and like the, the, the consistency of output is super important. For me, like, like I said, I, be, I was mad quiet all 2020, but it's because I took some time off. I know we're going to get into it a bit later on, but to learn and relearn and reaffirm and readjust and, and all those things so that the next push that I made, everything could be at a certain level and everything could, I can now um, set my trajectory. So every time you can improve quality and everything else, you can guarantee that your output is better. So there's the likelihood of people checking into your work is better, you know, and it rolls like that. And that's what I'm kind of hoping for and why I've been grinding for the last year without much output, you know, due diligence. That's all I've been doing for the last year. Isn't it interesting? That's exactly what Chadu said. That's exactly what Chadu said when I asked him about kind of what his motivation was. And he was like, I've got to have a catalogue, even in a quiet year, so people that find me can see that I've got more. That's very interesting that you're saying the yeah. same thing. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, and I don't think that that is strictly a music thing. I think that is an everybody thing because I mean, what if Galileo would have been like, hey, these guys aren't rating my drawings. Yo, like, <laughs> that's it. Out here. I'm not doing anymore. I'm finished. Like, I'm not doing anymore. Imagine if that was the case, you know, imagine. So then that's what's really mad and why if you've got a, a passion that you really believe in and you're good at it, just carry on and because i'm sure the stuff that you look back on even even six months ago especially like you say been putting out consistent content i guarantee it's been getting better for the last six months to take you back um key to the the beginning of, of lockdown what we were sort of really interested in oh, is, uh, that's what was it was what was really crazy to me i can't lie i went through a really hard period because my life for the past four years maybe five years has been concentrating on getting as many DJ bookings and trying to do the craziest stuff as possible. So as soon as lockdown hit, it just, basically everything just stopped, you know, dead. Um, so I almost felt like I went through like some crazy withdrawal because life just just stopped. I'm so used to like a, a really active social and, and everything else life and, and, and it all just stopped. So the stuff I was focused on was like, well, finances, obviously, was, was one of the main ones, obviously. But um, after that, it was it was strange because I was like, OK, I got I, I, as much as um, the studio is a curse at that time. How I looked at it has also been a blessing because it's meant that I have somewhere to go that's away from home where I can do what I really like to do. So my focus was um, going back to basically stage zero. Um, and relearn everything, be in here as much as possible, run through the processes and treat it like a nine to five job because I'm no longer in clubs, I'm no longer in bars, I'm no longer around. So really spend as much time in here, even if um, I'm procrastinating because 
you know, we're all procrastinators at the same time. So you even need if to I'm, do it for your sanity at the yeah, moment, man. You need to spend some time procrastinating. You know, but but the focus um, uh, at first was kind of take stock. I think. Sorry to answer your question. I know I've rambled, but um, take stock and be like, okay, like make some decisions and try and assess the landscape because that's what changed so rapidly under my feet was that the landscape of everything had changed. The landscape of how I made my money changed, the landscape of how everyone saw it, the the, the um, plague of live streams that happened in the first lockdown. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you have no um, exclusivity if you're just out here DJing for free because there's 200 other DJs out here DJing. What do you offer that's better? Can you offer anything that's better? Going forward, do you want to have that as, as part of your um, repertoire? Um, Etc. So really, I was taking stock at the start of lockdown, if I'm honest, um, and trying to deal with like the same struggles that everyone else was trying to deal with. I just moved in with my girlfriend as well, my partner um, of four years, four years at the time. So there was a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on at the time, but taking stock. Okay. Did, what was what did you think about? Oh, I mean, uh, one of my good friends, Noxy, is. Uh, he works at Virgin AMI, and I think they, they had a constant battle for a number of their, their artists between whether they take a year out, whether they keep on releasing stuff. Like, I think you know, it's a lot of the stuff that artists were releasing the last year was like passion projects or things they really wanted to do. Like, James Blake was like dropping covers. Um, so for you, I guess like, you've kind of answered it there. It was, it's about sort of refinding like the reason for you to want to create. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think like the other thing that's really crazy about this period, and I think. Uh, it relates to me and it relates to uh, other artists. I think that that possibly held material and some release material, like you say, release passion projects, is just that the whole mood changed. You know, like people aren't, it's no longer about being out here living your best life because no one's really living your best life during this period. Like it's, um, as a result of everything changing, the vibe of music is naturally going to change because no one wants to hear any crazy, like, wild stuff talking about doing this and that when in reality everyone's in the house. <laughs> like, 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 Do you think it... Uh, you know, sorry, go on. Do you think it brought, like, a, a certain honesty back to, and, like, you know, reinvigorated that passion and helped you find, you know... Not that you got away from it, but really reconnected you with why you got into this. Well, yeah, 100%, because I think I did. That's what was really crazy. Like I said at the start, like the last four years has been like a grind where I've been like, I need to be everywhere and see everyone and know everyone and play everywhere. And I need to do everything the most. And then I think it's really easy to get caught up in that, especially when you see some success, um, not in a sense of where you're losing your mind, but just in a sense of where you're like, it's the only thing that's important, not necessarily focusing and honing in on your purpose or why you started something like you say you get caught up in the the business side of things there's a political side of things there's a lot of things to to take into consideration um and i think it's really easy to get to get lost in that so i think this period is also like you say changed and reaffirmed why um and and as a result changed the how like to get to where I want to be, you know. So um, it's definitely been a time of reflection that has been, and and I'm really happy for that because if I wouldn't have had that, I feel I'd be in a much different place if COVID wouldn't have happened and I had this place, I would have utilised it very differently and it would have changed my whole trajectory. What's your, um, in, in less focus on the business and more on, you know, your actual creativity and creating music. 
Um, I was checking out some of your your live sets back in the day when you were at like the hip hop barbershop. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So your your style seems very like very freestyle. You mix things together and chop them up and splice them, and um, it seems like it's very much a creative. Um, expression for you you know you're not just like linking two songs together or mashing them up um and then i was checking out some of your instagram stories and it seems like there's even more of a mashup and even more creativity that's happening there so how what was your approach to music before lockdown how has it changed yeah just actually creating music it's like a really it's a great question um so i'm uh, influenced by a lot of styles i grew up on hip-hop like i think a lot of 90s kids did uh, early hip hop, etc., um, but influenced from so many different um, eras, styles, and music genres of music, and I think that's what I just tried to reflect in in the creative aspect of it. I feel like why not? Like they ca they can fix together, and if you can do it in a in a way that sounds good, then why not? Definitely from a um, creative standpoint. Um, and then it's also about like the te technical side. I'm super interested in turntablism, scratching, cutting, um, all, all that stuff. So um, it's my interest in in music mixed with my interest in like uh, high level DJing and, and turntablism and all those things, which actually led me to going to uh, Poland for uh, Red Bull Freestyle, which is a crazy tournament. Basically, arguably um, 22 of the best DJs in the world. Um, there's a heat, uh, national heats in 22 different countries and then all the winners of those heats all go to one country and they have a crazy thing it's sponsored by Red Bull it, and it's basically the best party that you'll ever be to you know it's, it's a party rocking set we're not out here like just scratching making noise like you have to rock a party um and I didn't compete my friend has competed and he actually won the UK final but because of COVID it didn't go ahead um in Russia it was supposed to be last year um but that going to that, I think it was in 2016, that blew my mind in terms of um, what I believe DJing to be and what was what was um, what DJs are capable of and what you can do with music. And that changed again my whole perspe perspective um, on on creating um, DJing pieces, but also in terms of uh, remixing music and and how you can incorporate stuff into sets. Because I think like that's the really really crazy thing for me is I feel like. As a producer, I mean, every producer wants to be a DJ and every DJ wants to be a producer is, is crazy because the producers want to perform their music, I feel. And and that's all I think it is. So I've been lucky enough to come from the angle of a DJ. Um, I've always been interested in production. I've always messed with production, but specifically more over the past couple of years. Um, and it's led me to here where I feel hopefully when all this passes, you know, I can really take advantage. But yeah, in terms of the creativity, I think it's Rebel 3 style being interested in um, multiple um, genres and varieties, sagas of music. I think I feel like, um, and I feel like that's what's really hard um, at the moment, and why COVID has been a blessing because we all know like music has taken a turn. I would put it that way. Popular music, <laughs> like I, I put it that way, it's taken a turn, and and we all know that that we can appreciate that, um, and and uh, going back to what I said about getting caught up in it, the hard thing is 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 that uh, people will expect the hot stuff all the time. So whatever's popular, whatever is trending, you know, people will expect it from, in a DJ set. So there's ways to play it originally and ways to play it in a different style, but at the end of the day, you're still playing Cardi B, you know, so 
it's it's like, <laughs> that you can't really fight with. You can't really, you can't really fight with it. But um, I think people like like has been said previously. People have definitely taken. It's taken a, a music has taken a sidestep during this period because certain settings aren't available. I mean, so hopefully the honesty will come back to to what people listen to and and how music progresses i hope imagine yeah. how big wap would have been if clubs were open can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine how scary it would have been it's what i'm saying oh my god do you, rem- do you remember like niggas in paris and the eight reloads so it's oh. about 20 reloads oh, they got on set in, in london it would have been would have been looking at that <laughs> genuinely looking at that mm. I, it's weird because i have had a real issue over the last eight years anyway with how clubs are closing down and the spaces and cities are becoming more commercial yeah. and the, ty- the, the just the way it's going in terms of spaces where those club nights happen and where those movements are born. But I feel, I think coming out of this is what we'll have is a real, more of an appreciation for those spaces and more of a fight from people to protect those spaces if for the ones that do make it through, that's that's the worry because many won't make it through and I've, I've heard quite a few already going to the wall but for the ones that make it through I think people are gonna appreciate them more and we might see a lot sort of bubbling up uh, into those club nights where people just wanna like celebrate and enjoy uh, enjoy the moments and movements so I'm 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 sort of half worried but more positive yeah and I, and I hope that the that to follow on from what you say I think exactly the same thing and I also think that because of the honesty that's kind of been brought back during this time I'd like to think that the music that will be played in those venues that do survive will be will be better or or, or whatever else you know because people have been without it for so long maybe they'll actually come in and and um, people will show out for the music that they actually appreciate as opposed to just checking into standard nights well 100%. not if TikTok's got anything playing the same four or five tracks over and over um, Ollie I'm, I mean we've had hours and hours of conversations hours over and the, hours over yeah, the years about, hours. about the craft and the creativity behind it and one thing obviously I loved being there with you during this time was obviously seeing that direct feedback from the audience on a night and obviously it's something that you can't replace so something I'm really interested in is how are you getting that feedback? How are you getting that kind of response to your work? Obviously, I've seen, you know, you've got social media and other bits and pieces, but, you know, what are the ways you're getting that validation? And, you know, one thing I've, I always remember you talking about was being responsive. How is, how, how, to, you know, how can you be responsive at a time like this? Yeah, fire emojis don't hit the same, bro. <laughs> 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 like, that's facts. <laughs> like, that's the biggest facts. Um, like, it's, it's really hard. I, I'm I'm super lucky again because of this place. Um, a few producers have moved in and we've got like a tight-knit community. So um, I'm really fortunate where I get real-life human contact and we can engage with each other's work. So, you know, like I can show people stuff and they can and they can actually feel it and hear it, how it's supposed to be heard, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that has somewhat saved my sanity as well. Like Don mentioned earlier, like certain things have saved my sanity and... This place and, and some of the producers in here were in here every day um, have really, like, s- saved my sanity. But, yeah, social media is really difficult because, you know, the way that they play with the algorithms at the moment, your, even your followers don't see your content. So that is wild. Yep. 
that's wild. <laughs> These people specifically yeah. follow you, and 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 for that reason, it's really hard to uh, take any like uh, what like flowers like from social media because then okay, cool, like you're promoting posts, and then like we said, in terms of um, just creating things for the culture. Like I said, doing those videos, I could spend like two hours, three hours on a video. I could spend two days on a mix. I'm like, and it doesn't pay my bills in the slightest. You know, I don't get paid for this at all. Uh, one of the, <laughs> just moving it on a little bit, a question I wanted to ask, I asked this of um, Chedu. Can you give us something that you've tried with the pandemic that's worked uh, and something you've tried that hasn't? I think it's important for people to know that kind of, not everything you do works, but some of the things that you've done has worked. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one thing I've tried that's worked, um, I mean, it's not uh, any surprise that uh, being lucky enough to be in in here, in the studio, um, repetition and, and discipline and just being in here at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, get up, get here, and just grinding away has helped regardless because it's meant that with all the usual productivity stuff to-do lists etc etc i've managed to to pound through stuff you know and i think that people shouldn't people shouldn't ignore the fact that you can do i feel even during this period what you want to do but like no one said it's going to be easy and it's going to be even harder right now during the, all this um, it's much harder. So what has worked being try attempting to be more self-disciplined even than I was pre-COVID because I didn't really have to worry then I could wake up at 1 p.m. And it's fine. I don't need to worry about answering emails and whatnot. Things that haven't worked uh, exercise uh, <laughs> 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 Other things that, that haven't worked um, uh, Stopping drinking um, <laughs> other things that haven't worked, stopping eating junk food. Not all the, all the, all the, all the other bad habits. I guess I, uh, I'm definitely a creature of habit and also a creature of comfort. So, um, if I have certain comforts, then I find it much easier during hard times. So, so during this period, like I said, I have maybe indulged in certain areas, but it's helped me um, progress in others. So, something I have failed at. Um, Basically, everything else. <laughs> 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 it's a good job that you're looking at it that way, though, as well, because I know there's still a lot of people that beat themselves up because they can't maintain a certain diet or because they let themselves slip into certain bad habits and whatnot. But I've been on this recently as well, back on the training every single day, and I do feel infinitely better for it. But then there was one week last week, one day last week where lockdown just hit me again. It slapped me right in the face again and I was feeling miserable. I think it was Wednesday night. And I was like, right, you know what? I'm having a milkshake. And <laughs> you don't feel guilty at all when you do these kind of things because those little bits of gluttony, they they, they help you through it. Yeah. They help you through it. Yeah. And I, and I think more so, especially right now, like, mm. um, like you would have those if everything was normal and routine was normal and you were normally living your life you would feel exactly the same way you know so i'm i'm like when times are harder if it's possible then why not and treat yourself i'm not talking about buying uh, crazy stuff at the same time going shopping on end or whatnot or um but yeah like definitely need to reward but i think it's 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 all about that like 
as much as I say that, delayed gratification, shouts to Jordan Peterson. I don't know if, if people fuck with him or not, but um, as much as uh, his book, I think it's 12 Rules for Life, I think it is. Um, as much as, it's, it's pretty much basic advice. Basically, it's be responsible, be accountable, and work hard. That's the whole thing. So, um, I'm just trying to do that as much as possible during this period while it's possible. Um, but it's crazy. Do not reward yourself with meth. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> you will end up in the gulag. Yeah, you facts. will end up in a Russian gulag. Facts. That is where you will facts. end up. Do not reward yourself with ice, please. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair though, something that was really crazy and like I said, it's, it's not something that exactly published out there was, um, like I said, uh, I spent most of my savings on this place when I, when I first moved in and uh, obviously COVID hit almost straight away. So this is pre-government um, um, self-employment checks and all that stuff. Life got super intense because I'm like, I've got no income. I just moved in with my missus. I now have studio rent to pay, uh, everything else. And I worked at Amazon, man. Like I had to go to Amazon. And then that's where it was a crazy life change as well. That was insane, you know, because I go from like, cool, like we're flying around DJing parties and we're, and we're just drinking to like, cool. You now work night shifts, 12 hour shifts, doing 40, 50,000 steps. Um, and I don't think there's, there's, there's nothing like that that will make you appreciate and make you refine your love for your craft at the same time, you know, for sure. You, you mentioned earlier just um, you talking about how the live streams got popping off and it's, it, those were sort of a real source of, sort of entertainment and fun and interest to me and quite a few of the other guys on this pod. What do you sort of feel about how sort of DJs were forced to innovate. Uh, I think it was, uh, the first one I noticed was DJ D-Nice in America was like the first guy who I saw do that. And then after um, EZ and then Defected pretty much turned it into an industry and we're just out here every single Friday night. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think about the way, uh, I the think, way they sort of innovated? I think it's really, really interesting. Um, um, I tried a few streams, especially at the start. Um, I had the like DJ City stream. Uh, shouts to DJ City, super dope record pool. I think it's really interesting how people have adapted to this kind of new landscape. But then that's for me personally. I will go back to the wider conversation. Um, I've kind of been not that I'm anti-stream because I really love the guys that that uh, keeping everything alive that way. But at the same time. For me personally, I've like I've enjoyed taking a step back, and like I said earlier, uh, relearning things and trying to develop in other areas as opposed to DJ. And I'm like, as far as I know, and still hoping for the best. I know that when stuff opens, then as long as I make enough noise before stuff opens, then I should be okay um, going forward, marketing-wise. In terms of how the the market has adapted, though, it's insane. A uh, few DJs, uh, Scratch Bastard, obviously Jazzy Jeff, um, another D Four Color Zach, um, are all DJs that are absolutely cleaning up on Twitch, which is crazy. Obviously, the the copyright was crazy um, intense. Um, Instagram just started locking everybody off. Facebook locking everybody off, etc. You know, so um, but people people have adapted, and for now, Twitch is playing nice in terms of copyright. Um, We'll see kind of how that progresses going forward because Sony um, specifically um, are 
locking off streamers at the moment. They are not enjoying any kind of copyrighted content um, that they own being anywhere apart from on their sources. So um, we'll see how Twitch goes. But I love to see it. I love to see it. Um, and it's exciting me. And to be honest, that was the main thing that kind of kept me away from uh, Twitch streaming and kind of posting on social media full stop um, at the start was there was so many sources of... Uh, like and really good great sources of music and inspiration that I was like well let me just absorb like everybody else like I'll, I prefer to take a step back be inspired by it all and then go forward how I feel fit you know basically I, so who, who are you inspired by then at the moment because something that I have found is that there are some artists who are yeah producing a lot of great work and have done during lockdown and they specifically seem to be kind of newer artists or not as mainstream but then it seems like if you are looking for like those those bigger beats and more mainstream music it's just been like a drought in some areas so who are you uh, i'm uh, well nate can and, and like nate can speak on this we've always been kind of more the the, the underground artists as much as i play mainstream spots mainly when i dj um so i've been a lot of the sources that uh, I usually go through to, to listen to music have still been releasing heavily. Selection, Future Beat Show, uh, uh, so people like Brent Fires, um, other artists. But to be honest, I've been reaching back a lot. Like, I'm an avid SoundCloud digger, Bandcamp digger, uh, Artist Union digger. So I love to find um, old stuff that's maybe been uh, reimagined. That's why I, I love uh, Selection or um, just generally digging into old archives. Like during this period, it's been really enjoyable because it hasn't necessarily been super important because I'm not streaming regularly to um, be super on top of popular music. You know, I can I can just go deep diving into some old R&B. I can visit Sade. I can I can visit this, that, and the other um, without the risk without the risk or the uh, anxiety of being like oh, I'm behind on music because I've just been enjoying myself. You mean you've not been keeping up with the latest Cardi B releases? Absolutely not. Like, no disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect to Cardi B. She's absolutely doing her thing. But I'm like, I'm just not trying to. I'm like, it's just not that time right now. It's not Cardi B time right now. I don't have, oh, I have TikTok, but I don't post on TikTok. But yeah, so it's just not that time. Listen, I, I hate that formulaic nonsense. But, but, <laughs> up is another banger. She's a hit machine, man. She's a hit machine. She's a hit machine. But if it's, if it's music by numbers, mm. what could, should you respect it? I, I don't respect Ma Max Martin coming out just because he obviously has got the formula. So Max Martin's obviously written about 50, 60, yeah, seventy pop bangers over the years. I mean, just if someone knows the code and they're they're just making it for the sake of saying, "Oh, well, I know this is going to pop." Like, I guess I mean, you can call me out of touch or whatever, but I don't. It doesn't. You don't have to respect it. You don't have to respect it. There's a difference in it because there's certain music that I enjoy that I I do not respect. But it doesn't have to be like we've said it before. It's not everyday lyrical miracle. Sometimes you just want to hear something and enjoy the bounce. It's that. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. I do agree, but. At the same time, I also agree with that, um, saying that should it be respected? Yeah, I, not necessarily. I think a lot of music doesn't doesn't have to be, but I'm like, it's also like depending on what level you're supposed to enjoy it. Like whether it's a yeah. it's supposed to be a deeper spiritual um, experience that you get from it, or whether it's supposed to be, you know, like play this when you're drunk, 
and you will enjoy it. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of a vibe. Slut dropping that walk <laughs> to the exactly. floor. Yeah. It happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens, yeah. Your difficulty is, though, you're going to, if you attach an undue respect to it, you're, you're going to get more of that. This is the world we live in. We're going to keep giving you more and more. I'm not insane. You shouldn't eat McDonald's and then also enjoy a Wagyu steak. There's a time for both. You're going to, they're just going to keep serving you more and more and more and more and more and more McDonald's because that's what you're, you're eating. So, yeah. just be careful, Don. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but it, it's... it's... <laughs> <laughs> that was so subtle. <laughs> that was, so that was a subtle. short fight. I felt it too, to be honest. But, um, I feel like it gets it gets lost in that realm between, you know, um, fast food, like you say, easily consumable food, and but with ADHD society how it is and trend hopping society how it is, that music is always going to have a home. But then the issue is and why it gets less support is the fringe music because people aren't as willing to spend money on it, you know. So if so, the other side can't survive if the people who are fans on it, say fans of it, sorry, say, for example, independent label or small label. Um, no one's buying their merch, they're getting limited streams, which means they've got limited budget, which means they, they've got limited marketing, and it kind of just goes round and round, which means they can't, they can't push to that upper echelon, and it's not seen as mainstream, you know? Yeah. Because people are saying uh, James Blake is mainstream, but at the same time, like, he's never spoken about slut dropping, but people don't hesitate to drop money on James Blake. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so if people are dropping money on it and people go to shows and sell out shows, etc., etc., like it can thrive, but it takes that investment from the fan base. And with streaming, how it is, and the, the tiny amounts of money, it's difficult. It's a really difficult time for fringe artists to make the leap into being big, very big, you know, it's difficult. There's a few um, providers, isn't there, that are looking at trying to change up the streaming model and giving the artist so basically if i pay if i spend 10 pounds of my membership on spotify then the listens that i have for that month will be divided up between those artists rather than the way that it currently works where there is a monopoly by these megastars so i mean like you say as well the, the numbers in streaming um revenue for an individual artist are pretty negligible but that should should potentially make things a little bit better yeah yeah and um, potentially but it's just really hard at the moment anyway I mean, um, when marketing is the biggest thing um, mm -hmm. to funnel streams, but if you're an artist that, that first of all even posts artwork where your art covers more than 20% of the page on Instagram, then your um, your potential reach drops by what, 90%, 80%, something crazy like that, you know? So it's really hard from an artist standpoint to, to blow at the moment. And then that's what's attracting people to terrible deals, which are getting them caught in with labels and owing money etc etc i massively believe in the in the independent model um and that people should control their own stuff they should own their own masters um and they should go that way because then at least you own it that means that you can pass it on that mean any that means any residual income that you can potentially make going forward into the future you can pass on oh okay ollie but if uh let's say sony comes up to you and says we want to do a two album deal we love the mixes that you're doing but uh, we control everything, but we're going to give you, I don't know, 20 grand up front. What do you do in that situation? Uh, then I would be looking at 
I'd be looking in terms of the opportunity going forward. So if they were like, okay, cool. Um, I watched a really interesting T-Pain stream literally like last night or two days ago where um, he was approached by Universal or Sony. It might have been Sony. Mm. And they approached him for Sprung and they offered him 900K for the single. And they said, we'll give you 900K for the single. And Akon and Akon's label approached him and said, we'll give you um, 20K, but we'll give you two albums after this. So T-Pain took the 20K, and that is what I would go for. So depending on kind of how I saw it going forward would always be what I'm going for. Upfront cash doesn't mean a lot, you know. It, Upfront it, cash is nothing, man. You don't want to get those advances. <laughs> okay, Oli, let, 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 let me tie you down a little bit more, though, because obviously what T-Pain was saying there was that he had, a, he had another option. Okay, if your only option is this 20 grand, and you've sunk all this money into your uh, studio, and what do you do in that scenario? I've heard way too many horror stories to to be accepting that because most of the time all this stuff is in advance. And if it's in advance, that's not my money. It's their money. And it's just an investment from them and they're going to need return on investment. Otherwise, I'm still going to owe them money. Uh, K-Sean was the best example, that Gucci Gucci um, track from way back when. Yeah, yeah, So that track, it was crazy. So she got offered a crazy deal uh, off that track, and it was like uh, last year, um, an article appeared, and she still owed her label like two hundred and fifty k from the advance that they gave her because Jeez. they don't. It's an advance on royalties, right? If you don't, if you don't so make yeah, those sales, yeah, you ain't gonna make nothing. Yeah, else so I would, I'd pass. I'd, I'd pass and I'd be like, I'm broke. I, I've been broke. I've been way more broke than I am now. And I will most likely be way more broke than I am now in the future. So I'm like, if the 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 main thing that I focus on is money, then this isn't really going to run. I can only focus on uh, the next potential opportunities and hope, you know, and then hope that 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 will kind of lead towards something. So the advice you're giving to people that kind of are looking to get make it in a creative industry is who who might be struggling financially because this is obviously a difficult time. The advice you're giving is struggle. Is that is that fair? Well, I'd say that's fair. I'm like I also think I'm like I was the guy that uh, I've always had to I've always had to work like regardless and around it when I was was first trying to break out DJing then I was working 60 hours 70 hours 8 hours in a bar while I and then I'd go and DJ for free to try and carve a name out for myself you know so it takes a lot of due diligence and it takes a lot of grinding and a lot of working to get to where you want to be but if you are doing your due diligence then it will show especially through the stuff that I said before uh, between like quality and output there's no way that you can be denied as you progress but you like it is a struggle right now it's a struggle for all artists right now um i mean there's no way around it it's a struggle for people losing houses like all over the place businesses are are going under businesses that have been institutions are going under so in terms of being like struggle i think like i always think um the best quote is like suffer for your art i'm like how much do you want it and if you really want to be successful in this then you make it i mean it's like any business right like they tell you like the first it could take years and years and years until you see any sort of like profit any sort of return but it's better to do that and to go for like the get rich quick or the the you know like the quick win that's gonna 
fuck you over down the line, especially for artists, because I feel like that's it just happens all the time. And what happens once you lose your integrity as an artist? Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the that's the difficulty, isn't it? Is that at the end of the day you can kind of if you've built it yourself, no one can take it from you. And if a label gets involved, they can always potentially take it from you. If they've already given you something, then of course they can always take it from you. If they've given you money, then they can take it from you. I'm not saying necessarily struggle. I'm saying the only way that you can do music is to have money. That's how it works. Like, because you're going to need time. You know, you're going to need time. So if you can formulate a way to make money while not having to be at a job, then that is ideal. If not, then you may have to grind and do all the odd jobs and the shit jobs and, and the, the lower maybe jobs in the industry. But at the end of the day, that'll come up. I mean, I've taken 50 pound gigs. I've taken gigs for a, for a bottle of vodka, especially at the start. Like, like <laughs> you know, being like, okay, cool. Terrible vodka too. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like it's the come up and it's it's it, i don't feel like it should be easy i feel like if it is easy you're not going to appreciate it when you do make it at the same time so this is it i i i kind of see all art is or the key to it being learning to live with the value of yourself like knowing that the value of it is you so i think earlier you're on uh, earlier on Andre, you were saying would you would you take this money if you had one offer and it's, if it's from a label if you've got one offer from a label there's a, there's, a, there's a reason why that offer's on the table. And it's about having the confidence and the, the ability to say no to that and believe that your talent is gonna, is gonna make them want to come back with a deal that you're worth. Ultimately. Leverage it, leverage it, yeah. go get your money elsewhere. <laughs> so, you ba so, so what we're now advocating is that we basically need to be like Robert De Niro in Heat, where it's like, do not fall in love with anything that you can that walk away from in 30 <laughs> seconds or less when the heat is on. <laughs> pretty much yeah oh, it's, true. it's true and it's it's something that you have also sort of dealt with of late angelo as you've found people beginning to put a value on the talents that you've uncovered in the last year and mm. uh, the, the skills which you know you knew you had and now you've proved that you have them is now do people think they're worth what you're worth and that's what you're gonna have to sort of deal with going forward it's mm. master p in the solange album man if this white man's gonna offer me one million dollars, then what am I really worth? Mm. Facts. Yeah. Way more. Like, let's be real. <laughs> That's the reality of the situation. Way, way more. But, like you said, you set your value at the end of the day. But I think mm. I feel like where a lot of people get lost is they'll be trying to sell steak to people who are used to McDonald's. It's not possible. Are you in the right rooms? And if you're not in the right rooms around the right people, they're not gonna appreciate your art. That's facts. And Ollie, I, um, one thing that Chady said, and I'd love to get your take on it, is he kind of said, don't even go into the rooms until you have a vision for yourself. I want to know what you feel about that. Yeah, completely agree. So back to the uh, Russ stuff that we're talking about. If you've already got a body of work and, a, and, a, and then you're there on the table already, you know which direction you're going and you know what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. Um, even if it hasn't necessarily got the praise that it should have. So I completely agree, yeah. You should know... I just feel like it's um, you need to have your direction before you even talk to anyone because otherwise you're going to be very easily guided at those stages. You know, they'll be able to force you into maybe pigeonholes or whatever direction they see fit. 
um, where, and then that's how you, you wake up in five years and you've completely lost yourself. All of a sudden you're doing pop songs with Cardi B and Selena Gomez <laughs> and life is different, you know, <laughs> life is different. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, I think it's super important to have just knowledge of self and kind of like what your art is about and how you see yourself as an artist. Are you someone who's just going to um, jump on anyone's track, but no matter what the feature is, then they get a vibe of you. Again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some people have given some amazing features on Cardi B songs. Um, it doesn't take away from the quality of that artist, but you got the flavor of that artist on that record, you know, so you mm -hmm. got them and that's why it's super important that you know what you are and kind of what you provide and then what you can give because it means that you're not going to get lost when you're in these situations at the same time well to, to wrap up the investigation part bro it's, you know, it's been good to get your get your perspective on sort of the music industry in the last 100%. 12 months and yep. your process throughout it's, you know nice to sort of see you eat a pizza whilst you did it kicking knowledge <laughs> it's nice to just see you man it's been so long like i was saying before yeah so long so so long well once all this is passed then everyone should definitely come up and uh, we can get drunk if everyone drinks well, if you don't drink it's cool you can have soda water nah but really appreciate you guys having me on so thank you i know i feel like i spoke for way too long but at the same time yeah it was a pleasure it was a pleasure wicked thanks for coming out bro appreciate yeah. you so we're gonna wrap this up with our draft. Q, you don't have to stay for this. We're gonna say you, we'll just release you, but I mean, no, I'm staying. Stay on the line. I'm involved right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm here. You can be the independent a... adjudicator. You can decide who won at the end. No, I'm not having anybody born in the '90s adjudicating on, Ooh, on this topic. What are you talking about? No. Nope. When when were you born? Hold the phone. <laughs> nah, I'm not the having it. I'm not having it. <laughs> He's, he's trying to say if we had Julia Danuga on here as a guest judge, he'd tell her to hush her mouth and stay in a place. You would not. <laughs> no, would her, brothers, her brothers throw fists. There's no way I'd say that to Julie. <laughs> okay. We should, oh, yeah. we, should, we should put it up for sponsorship. Someone can sponsor the draft. If you'd like to sponsor this section of the podcast, please email wakandansocialclub at gmail.com. Wakandansocialclub at gmail.com. Q, do you want to just quickly name us one to five don't tell us what they are so you are deciding the draft order what hold camera. on that's we decided the draft order no it don't matter i like this idea better did we why do we why do we i'm go now picking he's man's getting sweaty palms he's baby eating pizza is holding angelo is so away. nervous right now no, 90s I'm babies go first i've picked oh, five tracks so all my track Jello feels like he's gonna get caught slipping again like he did on the clash <laughs> and then he wanted to play crookers crookers about? in the clash <laughs> crookers in a hip-hop clash man <laughs> day and night remix timeless <laughs> well, I'm trying to play Dave Spoon wow <laughs> Dave Spoon in the hip hop class. Stop wow. it, man. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I can't stop laughing now. I just remembered all the mistakes you made in that class. Hold on a second. Are we not. Do you went back to back with another Little Brother song as well? <laughs> I need to. I can't I believe the class. amount of slander that was put on Little Brother. I can't. No. There was no, no slander. No, 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 it wasn't on. It was on. 
The problem, Ollie, is that these denial. guys read like Pitchfork, get all their opinions from it, then want to tell me about the culture that I grew up in. Like, it's, uh, it's completely. Uh, 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 there's only one person here that's writing for Pitchfork, you know. This, this, Angelo, this is why. You would this take is why a commission from Pitchfork babies. tomorrow. This is, why I did, this is why I didn't want these 90s babies deciding anything. They don't know anything. I've embarrassed them all heads in the past, so like, don't hit me with your salt and pepper spice out here. I'm ready for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, you are putting disrespect on my parents' names because they're going to come for you being like, this guy is saying I didn't raise my, raise my child, right? Basically, yeah. Like, if they want to come and chat to Ooh. me, that's fine. <laughs> Kayam Dunbar, do you hear this? <laughs> you better watch your back and look. That's fine. If they want to invite okay. me out to the West Side uh, to have a you know little holiday and a chat, that's compl- I, I will accept. Like, I'm <laughs> They're going to take you for a walk. They're going to take you for a walk, big man. That's fine. You don't want to go out there. She's got the cholos and the crips and bloods on her side, man. So you don't want to do. go there. She's got like every <laughs> gang. She's got every gang. I got the Latin <laughs> Kings. <laughs> I got the Hoover Crips. I'll be like, I'll be From walking through be like, yo, you've upset a lot. I'm like, brother, you're Polish. Yeah, so she. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're, the, we're the Cherokee gang, Holmes. <laughs> Navajo Nation. Brother's <laughs> oh, yeah. turning up in bow ties and shit. She's got everything, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Bean pow, my brother. Bean pow, my brother. <laughs> we love you, Ali. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> so, what's Ali. the topic this week, Dan? What's the draft? Well, dropping as it is around the time of the day of love, Valentine's Day, slow jammers. Get your love on, Ali. Here we go. First pick is yours. First pick of the night, star player. Could only go with one, the one, the only, Prince. Prince, okay. Until the end of time, I'll be there for you. I'm going with the door, <laughs> Prince. That's a good pick, that is a very good pick. Mm-hmm. Baby! <laughs> 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 right, so I've got I've got number two. I'm gonna start with um, with something a bit different. I'm gonna go with Bob Marley. Steer it up. I knew you were. I knew it. I had that <laughs> down, you motherfucker. <laughs> the thing is, you two have clashed so many times. You're starting to be able to read each other now. I've noticed this <laughs> in this capacity. You've like you you two know your enemies very well. What was Sun Tzu saying, mate? Yeah. I'm gonna go with for my first pick, a classic Jagged Edge, Let's Get Married. Ooh, okay. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good pick. Uh I am just going to go with D'Angelo Cruising. You went for cruising and not lady. You're you're wrong. Yep. I knew I knew I knew you would say that, but uh Cruising's not even his song. I don't care. <laughs> like I don't care, <laughs> I don't care. I've yeah, got the Angelo cruising. So, Angelo, Angelo, up. since you were born in 1968, uh, who originally? <laughs> you should have gone. You should have gone for the smoky version, mate. That's more your era, isn't it? Oh yeah, you said it. <laughs> Damn, you got two picks, yeah. mate. <laughs> for my first pick, I will be going with Trina Broussard inside my love. Ooh. Oh, you're not going for the mini Ripperton version. No, don't wanna. Wow. <laughs> wow. Don't wanna, mate. You see, I have got no need to pander to authenticity. I'm not trying to pick up any credit from this. I'm just trying to play slow jam, Lewis. 
respect. Like that. a good DJ. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, your, your second pick? And I'm going to back that up with Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves a Woman. Ooh, mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Right, I'm looking here at my long list. My 200 song long list. Shout out, Dom. Uh, <laughs> this is too much. There's too much choice. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Absolute colorblind here. There's no way you can see a song like you're supposed to pick. Um, too many bangers. I'm going to go with... Uh... I'm going to go with Vibes Cartel, your love. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's, not, he's never going to get it, is he? <laughs> I, I don't give a sh- Like, I, you're, you guys are Guys, I don't love too. <laughs> oh, man, you're too funny, Jello, man. Nate, what have you got? Hold on. I'm going to go... <laughs> Don, me and you, it's on go. site. I swear to God, it's on site. <laughs> I'm going to go with Genuine, Only When You're Lonely. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. What, what's it? Yeah. I've got to go. I've got to go for the classic Jodeci freaking you. <laughs> I can't be telling anybody that I'm nah. I can't tell anybody that I'm licking them anywhere. <laughs> uh, Alana, you got two. Alana, you got two. Okay, I'm gonna go with the classic. Well, they're all classics, but carry on. But like a, a actual what classic from from your era, from your era. Marvin Gaye, sexual healing. Had to be done. Had to be done. I feel that's uh, almost too obvious, but yeah, that's what I was. But aren't we going for the Best. So it's just five. your dream team. The Seckle. Yeah. Seckle. Okay, so then I'm also gonna go for No Ordinary Love, Sade. Ooh, love that. Yeah, yeah. 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 You've just jammed up my next pick. <laughs> right, right then, right then, right then. I'm going for Luther Vandross, A House Is Not A Home. Ooh. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mint condition, breaking my heart. Wow, on Valentine's Day, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Faith Evans, soon as I get home. Mm. Nice. Oh. I, I'm gonna really change the mood. <laughs> Keep the sweat, make it last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Shit! <laughs> um, and for my next one, Erica, love of my life. Ooh, Ooh, I'm gonna Ooh. yeah, that, yep, yep. It was, yeah, I knew it'd get that reaction. It's not the one that I had on my long list, but I still respect the absolute hell out of it. What have you got, Angela? Uh, I'm going to go with. Ah oh, man, I'm gonna go with Otis Redding. That's how strong my love is. And for my next pick, I'm gonna go for Sade, The Sweetest Taboo. Ooh. Right, I am going with, which should have been my number one pick to be fair, but I bottled it. Lauren Hill and D'Angelo, nothing even matters. Ugh. I mean, you leave it this late, Alana. Yeah. I mean, I've got more in the bag, don't worry. 
You've got your final two picks now, Ali. Okay, one for sure is Jodeci, come and talk to me. And then, ooh, India Ari, brown skin. Ooh, that's a great shout. <laughs> This is a big one. Oh, wow. I think I'm going to go with Stevie Wonder, Ribbon in the Sky. Mm. I'm going to go for Usher, Nice and Slow. <laughs> I've got an issue with that song, though, because he was about 12 when he made that song, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to take it nice and slow. He any know. kind of... A uh, vigorous <laughs> movement is going to make that go real quick. Um, <laughs> so my number five, I am going to go. I can't have two of them. <laughs> Not another Vibes Cartel track. <laughs> I'm actually I'm reggae tracks. I can't believe you guys are dissing vibes. Like, I'm going to go with Prince if I was your girlfriend. Mm. Oh, God, that is so good too. Bring us home, Dan. And with the final pick, I'm going to choose Marvin and Tammy. Yes, I don't even care okay. which one you choose. I okay. don't even care which one you choose. That's how hard I respect that. You're all I need. Mm. You picked the right one. Classic. There's no wrong one. There's no wrong one. No, there is. And it wasn't that one. <laughs> excellent, excellent job. I, I like all those lists. Yeah. I like well done, all everyone. those lists. Uh, so, Ollie, um, have you put a, mi a mix together yet? I was off mic somewhere mixing. I was, I was, I was doing it mentally in my head. Yeah, yeah, I was with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at Jello's second pick, man. <laughs> Why. This is why I respect you so much, Angelo. There's no rules, man. There's no rules. Look, we will have zero dirt put on my man Vibes' name. That's, Nobody that's is slandering Vibes Cartel. I'm slandering you, man. I'm slandering you and your dead pics. What we're not going to do is be putting any disrespect on your love, which is literally, I don't want to get all old head, but I know that song works. Ugh. <laughs> I'm Some things gonna... don't elicit a response, in it. <laughs> I nearly went, but I think I selected it for the Valentine's Day one a couple of years ago. Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb, guilty. That song pulls up trees. But then I was like, <laughs> you guys would be like, oh, he's so old. Playing a song by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> so I like, picked Vibes. I'm so old, so old, so old, pick your past I will hear, no, like, I'll, I will just be on smoke if you kind of, talk bad about vibes and that particular song i feel like i feel like you're misunderstanding the the nature of the insult right now no one's insulting that song but you're <laughs> this is the greatest is valentine's day, day song of all time song. you've got vibes cartel next door to percy sledge you've got vibes cartel next to percy sledge next to faith evans yep. next to otis redding yep and you want to play vibes cartel yep you're like you're a wrong school on you're a wrong 
We are going to put this to the people. We're going to put this to the people in a poll as to where the Vibes Cartel belongs in this company. <laughs> I think we're going to have, we were going to have you only choose the winner, but to be honest, I don't think we I don't think it kind of needs it. I think we can, you know, we're going to put the playlist out there and we can let the people choose, but I think it just stands on the strength of that. Like the point of the draft is we all pick the songs. Mm. Ollie, which one of those so, would you play though? If you could only pick one. Ah, uh, for Valentine's Day, uh, it's difficult. Nate's was speaking to me. I can't lie. Like Nate's was speaking <laughs> to me, so probably probably that one. Like I can't. I like I. While I appreciate vibes getting pulled, I'm like I'm not playing vibes. Got tell on Valentine's Day. <laughs> no disrespect. You, 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 you're gonna put the wrong track on. You put the wrong track on, and then you've got no relationship. Oh, Never mind. No Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you go, for, you go for your love and you play Freaky Girl Part 3. It's like, uh-oh, shit, I'm single again. A bicycle ride. <laughs> I'm wrapping this up because Leeds are in the second half and we're 1-0 up at Palace and I need to go and watch it. Thanks, Q, for coming through. Pleasure. Thank yeah, you guys for having you, me. Man. I've enjoyed. All right, anytime, anytime, get yourself back on. Nate? Enjoyed tonight. Plenty of laughs. See you all soon. It's been great. So, yeah, be well, everybody. Till next time. Go get your injections, guys. Get your vaccines. And, Angelo, I think yours is coming up soon, yours, isn't it? Aha. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. See you next time. Take Take care. Easy, guys. Bye.